This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. In this happy holiday episode, we connect with former U.S. ski team member and coach, and now retired Canadian head coach, Justin Wadsworth. Wadsworth was on his way in the family car to holiday festivities way, way north of Canmore, Alberta. Anyhow, Wadsworth will be providing live Nordic sport commentating for the CBC during the 2018 Olympics. We thought Wadsworth would be a great resource to get a rundown of period one on the cross-country World Cup. First off, here's Wadsworth telling us what he's been up to besides learning how to operate in a television studio. (laughs) No, I'm working with uh, First Nations youth. Uh, here in Canada now, as long and, and as well as uh, coaching uh, 56, 10 and 11 year olds, and uh, I'll be commentating yeah for CBC during the Olympics. So that's about it. With the First Nations group, what are you specifically doing? Well, I've been. Uh, we built a ski trail. I, I helped um, the, this school. It's about an hour away from Canmore. It's in. Uh, it's called Sutina, which is. T-S-U-U-T apostrophe I-N-A. So it's on the Sutina Reserve. It's the Sutina High School. And uh, we've built a ski trail by hand uh, this fall. And then now we're bringing the ski program to the school. And uh, they bought skis this year. And so I'll be going out there and working with the kids and getting them skiing. So they'll have their own ski trail that's groomed as well as a ski program. So... That's uh, one thing. And then I have a group that I worked with last year from the Morley Reserve, and we call that the Nakoda Nordic Ski Team. And they uh, come out once a week, and uh, this is the second year with the same group of kids. And uh, we do a race at the end of the year, and and it's just great. The kids have really uh, been excited about the program and consistently coming, so that's been a real success. Oh, cool. That's good. Good for you. Um, and good for them. Wow. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. It's been a great success all around. Okay. So let's, um, let's start with the women's side and for, for both, for everyone on the world cup in period one, uh, looks like there were, uh, 10 races overall. Six of those are considered distance races and four sprint. And I guess I'll just ask straight up, Anything that kind of caught your eye in terms of new dynamics on the women's side this year? Yeah, for sure. The racing has been uh, different with the absence of Yohog. I mean, I know she was, you know, absent uh, before a little bit, but uh, I think it's kind of opened up the women's field a bit. They, you know, the races, uh, especially the Masters, ski differently without, you know, the pace of one person just like driving it from the front. And so that's created a different dynamic and allowed more opportunity for the Parmakowskis, the uh, Diggins, the Wang. Well, you know, Wang's always been a front runner, but uh, maybe the Hagas. So you you start to see some of the uh, some of the skiers that have you know been in there for sure, but uh, I think they've sensed a bit more of an opportunity. And uh, you know, Mari Bjergens armor has definitely been chinked enough now where people don't give her as much respect, which really changes the dynamic of the race. Um, you know, we've seen it on the men's side with people like Nortug and Sunby 
and now Claybowl, like when you get someone that get garners so much respect, it definitely influences the rest of the group in the field. But uh, on the women's side now, you know, there's not one clear, you know, person that's, that has that. And I think that definitely uh, gives more of a sense of opportunity and, you know, confidence is everything in racing. So if there's that opportunity, that confidence, yeah, that to me has been a theme this year in the women's side. Since you brought up Bjorgen, and um, and I want you to kind of speak from your depth of experience in that it is an Olympic year. And specifically, you know, Mara obviously is a mother, but that said, she came off last year at World Championships. She was, I, off the top of my head, something like five medal. I mean, I think she won every distance race. So, you know, is this a function of there's a chink in her armor or a calculated I'm just not going to really put in the major efforts until mid-February? No, I mean, for me, Jason, you know, she's a classic. She's, she's, uh, she's solid, but skating, she's definitely, like, she's not the best skater. We've seen on the skating races this year, uh, we haven't seen her winning, I don't, I don't believe. And I don't even think she's been in the top on the podium in the skate race. Do you want to correct me on that? Uh, I'm looking right here. You are right. So she has won. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at the distance overall. She just won she, the pursuit. In, she won the second day of the pursuit in Toblock. She won the interval start classic, the first race of the season in Ruka. And she won, she bookended that by winning the last distance race yeah. Um, of period yep. one, which was, uh, yeah, all uh, pursuit classic. Yeah, exactly. So block pursuit. Yeah. So, so really this, you know, I think she's, uh, showing that she's the strongest in classic, but, uh, that's about it. And I think in the skating side, you know, we've seen Kala, we've seen, you know, uh, Karmakoski Diggins, like there's a, there's more of an open field, I think on the skating side. And, uh, you know, with the, the skiathlon at the Olympics, you know, ending with skating, I think that, that race for her is, a a bit of a, you know, she maybe not is the favorite. And then, uh, the 50 or the women's 10 K skate, which will be at the Olympics. So really only at the Olympics, the 30 K for women, uh, and then I, and sprinting, I don't think she's really the strongest, even though it's a classic sprint, I don't think she's the strongest. So really for her, for Olympics, it's, uh, you know, as far as winning goes, I don't, I don't think we're going to see her dominate. I mean, you can never say she's one of the greatest women of all time. But so, but anyways, I don't, again, my feeling is that the other women in the field feel like, especially sprinting, you know, Mara used to be so dominant. And in everything, you know, skating, distance, classic, distance, you know, skate, whatever. But now it's really only distance classic where she's shown that she's the still the really formidable uh, old self. You know, we, we there's been, you know, still thinking of the distance side, there's been a host of, of winners this year. You know, so, so Kala has won two events. Bjorgen has won two events. Um Haga has won one and Osberg has won another one. So yeah, like you were saying, the, the sort of the riches have been spread out a bit. Um, are you surprised at all 
to have seen Kala perform the way she has? Uh, a little bit. You know, uh, I, I feel like she's kind of uh, a big year skier. She comes to the the big seasons and kind of raises their game. You know, I, like a lot of Swedes in the past, she finds that, uh, I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's a little, I mean, she's been better than I would have expected overall this year. I think a weakness still, though, we saw it in Toblock, uh, is a bit of classic. Um, so if she, you know, I think going in the Olympics, though, it's a, it's a really good uh, Olympic uh, schedule for her, especially with the 10K skate. I mean, that's uh, that's going to be one of the most exciting races. I think both on the men's and women's side, that individual skate race is going to be, normally those individual races of the Olympics aren't the most exciting, but I think there's so many people that could win on either side. Uh, from Andrew Musgrave on the men's side, I think he's a dark horse to win that race. To you know, Diggins and Sadie's been skating well this year, and uh, so it's really uh, it's, I think those individual races could be more of the interesting races uh, during the games. I, I guess what are your thoughts about the U.S. women in particular? Um, you know, I think historically Jesse Diggins has podiumed i think at least two times uh at the tortoise ski maybe in to- in toe block actually yeah you know, she's, she's been great in toe block yeah yeah and so she's had two tenths a fifth a 15th and two sevenths in the distance races you know anything about what you're seeing at least you know jesse uh sadie bjornson rosie brennan any or keegan randall obviously that caught your eye in terms of like I'm expecting more or expecting less, or this is about where they should be this time of year. I, I think they're right on track. The U S women's team has looked amazing. Uh, I mean, took a, take a look at Ida Sargent making her first final, uh, you know, that was in having a great qualification. Like it wasn't just like she snuck in and qualifying and then, you know, got lucky through the rounds. Like she skied very strong uh, in Davos through the, through the heat and in qualifying. So that, I mean, and Rosie Brennan has had some, I would say, some of her best results. Uh, and like I said, Bjornsson has been, you know, better, salt, more solid in skating. Jesse's been more solid in classic. It feels like they've really done their homework to be more well-rounded this year. Um, you know, they've each had their specialties in the past. Like Sadie Bjornsson has been, you know, amazing in short classic races or, you know, but now she can skate, and, and same with Jesse. Jesse's been great in skating, but now she can. It looks like she can really hang in classic as well. So, to me, it's uh, the whole team has been really, really well rounded, and I feel like they uh, they've really set themselves up for a, a great Olympics, and and not just putting all that weight on Keegan or on Jesse. Like I really feel like, yeah, there's a number of athletes that can uh, perform now at the games. And that's, that's good for the whole team because that will take the, it puts pressure on the team, but it doesn't put it on one individual. Let's hop over to the, to the sprint side of things for the women. So, uh, Stina Nielsen from Sweden leads the sprint standings with two wins and a fifth place. Fala from Norway is second in the sprint standings with a win and a second place, but she did not contest the sprint in Ruka. And then just going down the line, you've You've got Sadie Bjornsson in fourth, Sophie Caldwell in sixth, Jesse Diggins in seventh, Keegan Randall in tenth, and Ida Sargent in thirteenth. And I hope I'm not sounding like super nationalistic here, but 
we are based in the, in the U.S. So, um, I think on the women's side, you can safely say, besides you know, outside an individual winning, they have the strongest women's sprint team. I mean, they have been so solid in qualifying. They've been solid through the rounds. They've placed you know three women in the finals. Like it's uh, this is this is stuff now that you know I just know in the you know in the wax truck that they have with the, the in the team spirit that they are they're disappointed if they don't you know put two or three in a final and when you get to that kind of confidence and that level of like uh just believing uh, in your racing ability as a team that is really hard to stop that momentum and uh there that i know that all the other teams consider the u.s women a, a major threat and correct me if this is not making sense or yeah, or just redirect me. But, you know, back when you were coaching the, the Canadian national team, you had a super strong, you know, Devin was second overall at one point. Obviously, there's Alex. Um, what do you say, you know, if you were can take what you had said to the Canadian guys and hypothetically, what would you say to this group of U.S. women? You know, it's early season. Um and obviously, in the non-Scandinavian nations, we place we seem to place less of an emphasis on regular World Cups and glorify the Olympics. That said, what do you say to a group of high-achieving athletes to kind of keep perspective for like a two-and-a-half-month period rather than just like weekend after weekend and a little more short-sighted vision? So, you know, just keep doing the things you're doing because it's working. And there's no magic to it. And there's no magic at the Olympics. They're just other races. And going into the games, feeling confident that actually as U.S. athletes and North American athletes, you have an advantage for traveling. You travel better overseas because you do it all the time. I really believe that having a, an Olympics in a place like Korea is a is a is not a home field advantage, but it, it takes away the the advantage of Europeans uh, having the travel, easy travel to home and whatnot. So just keep doing what you're doing. Um, I would also say, though, you know, a lot of these countries have very hard selection uh, early in the season. And for the U.S., again, to be doing as well as they're doing uh, early in the season, I think that, and, and not peaking, I know they're, you know, they're not peaking right now. They've you know, not like some of the other, say, Norway, you know, early selection races, they race in bite stolen so hard, you know, and there's so much pressure to perform and it, everything's got to be there every weekend. Otherwise, you might not go to the Olympics, even if you're a top five World Cup skier. So I would just say for the U.S. team, like, keep doing what you're doing. Take the confidence with you. Know you're you're amazing at traveling around the world. And, and uh, yeah, just that's your opportunity. And I think that's, you know, what I've in situations where we've had like that in the past as Canadians going into World Cup finals or whatever it's been, we've, you know, tried to relay that kind of same idea. On the guys' side, who would you say is leading the distance overall? Uh, Claybo. Yeah, it's actually magnificent. Oh, that's right. Which, he has a yellow bib and toe block. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I me too. And I was like, oh man, look at that. So that's because that's because he won in Davos and Claybo sat out, and that's a hundred points right there. 
and uh, where Claybow lost them more points, though, was in the first day in tow block, the first part of the pursuit. Claybow was down in, like, 10th place that day. And then he didn't race in Davos. Those were the only places he lost where he hasn't won. Okay, so on the guy's side, no big news here, but uh, thoughts about kind of the changing dynamic for the guys? Well, I mean, I think the most, you know, obviously Claybo winning pretty much everything he gets in. But uh, beyond that, I, mean, I think that's really what has been interesting is to see Sunby, you know, here's someone that I think his confidence has been a bit shattered. And when, when you're dealing with it, you know, we all, you know, from North America watch ski racing, blah, blah, blah. But in Norway, I mean, it is, it is the show and he was the man and now he is not the man and he's getting handily beaten and, uh, there's something going on there. And I think, uh, that, that in itself is a story. Will, you know, Sunby be able to bounce back and show us his real, you know, domination and maybe it's the fact that you know that you know we don't see as much double pulling going on in classic races because for sure he was extremely strong there but uh you know there's something going on there and so that's an interesting story to follow just uh you know when's the last time we've seen Sunby just get shelled like he was in uh toe block I mean that was you know amazing and then you know, he definitely scrapped his way back kind of into top 10, I think. But um, so that's been interesting. But, uh, yeah, I think, Alex, the the men's racing has been a little bit more stable than the women's racing. And in general, there's been some great races besides, you know, Claybo does keep it interesting. I mean, every now and again, it blows it open. But uh, he likes to wait, wait and make a strong surge. So it, it, it's not for uninteresting racing, even though he's won everything. Not like we've seen in the past from Johag where, you know, five minutes into a race, you want to turn it off because you know she's going to win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you, I'm assuming it sounds like you watched every race, the, the Skiathlon and Lillehammer? Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I thought for sh- I was like. <laughs> yeah, there was one where like, oh, Sunbeam's back. You know, good, yeah. good for him. He made a, a big pull on the big climb, but then uh, Claypool just reeled him in. Like, you know, I think that was one of the most amazing comebacks with a K to go in a race I've ever seen. You know, from your experience, um, you know, in the sport, and obviously in every sport, you know, there comes a time when the king or queen, you know, they're done. And sometimes it's not a soft fade, it, you know, it's something that's really abrupt, perhaps like we're seeing with Sunby. But if, um, you know, when you're like, yeah, something's up, you know, historically from your perspective, is that just like you get old and you lose the firepower coupled with the confidence or lack of confidence or? Yeah, I mean, first it goes back, I mean, it's so impressive for a young guy like Claybo. maybe he just didn't you know, have the respect that he should have for Sunby and, and broke that kind of ceiling there, that glass ceiling of Sunby being so dominant. But, uh, um, yeah, I think, you know, maybe a year older Sunby and a lot of stress with his, uh, you know, asthma stuff that had happened in the past. And, um, yeah, there's a lot, of, I think a lot of factors involved, but, um, once that, 
I think one that, like I said, that chink of armor that seems to be there for certain athletes and, and respect in the field. Once that gets, you know, taken taken away or dented or nicked or whatever you want to say, it it gives everyone else that little bit of more confidence that look, we can This guy is beatable, and uh, that's again it, that just opens the floodgates. I feel like, and now you know, Claybo is wearing that, um, and. You know, he's never probably been in that position going into Olympic Games, and I think the amount of pressure he'll be under will be uh, interesting so far. I mean, he's he's been there, and he's he's uh, shown up on the big days and performed, but the Olympics are next level, especially when you're a Norwegian. So that'll be a really, uh, you know, and he hasn't raced in, in Korea. Like, most of the top distance athletes haven't been race, racing in Korea, so we don't know you know, if a course suits somebody or not. With that long finish, um, it leaves, I would say, it leaves a little bit more open uh, to other skiers that can uh, come back a little bit towards the finish line. We've seen that in some of the early World Cups that they had there. Lenny was way out in one race in the sprint race and almost came back to get on the podium. I mean, he was off the way off the back on the, the big sprint climb. And so I think it's the kind of course that could be. Uh, I, I really like the design. I think it's gonna it's gonna make for some very exciting racing there with the way the the finishes. And you know, Alex is Alex Harvey has been super consistent. You know, if you're watching the races, he's often been in the front uh, in the distance events. Is this a fairly typical course for Alex? You know, early season warming up. Uh, close to, he's got a couple fourth places, uh, no podiums yet, but he seems pretty, you know, in interviews and pretty chill at this point. Yeah. I I think Alex is in absolute perfect position. He, he, He looks very confident when he's racing. He looks, you know, within himself. Um, he doesn't look like he has that, uh, that, that next gear, which he'll, normally attain you know later like i've seen him in some of the sprints and he just doesn't look like he has that top end speed but i know that you know that's something that he wants to wait a little bit uh on uh to have when the when the going gets uh really you know for the big the big hardware at the olympics this olympics for alex is something he's been waiting for i think you know going into sochi he was prepared for medals and uh, I think physically he was ready there. And this time around, though, and since he came away empty-handed there and disappointed, he's just going to be like a, a caged animal. And uh, it's going to be very exciting to watch him race. Okay, so um, last on the guys' side, uh, just to bring up a couple of the Russians that have not so far been implicated uh, with the Sochi you know, doping. So Ustagov, who had a pretty stellar world championships last year in Lati. And then Bolshinov is second on the sprint list, 13th on or 12th on the distance list, and then third overall. Um, and he comes to the world cup having, it sounds like I think won several U 23 titles. Um, so he's sort of an, maybe new to the world cup, but, but he's a force kind of like Claybo. you know, any thoughts about the Russians? I'm not going to talk about the Russians until they admit to their their state-sponsored uh, activities. It's not uh, allegations. There's hard evidence. The IOC wouldn't have done what they've done 
unless there was hard evidence, that's for sure. And um, I'm, I'm not, I, when I watch the ski race now, I see a Russian in it. I don't even, it's like they're not there. I just don't pay attention. I don't care about them. Uh, and I want them to, as soon as they're willing to come clean and admit to what they've done, then we can start to talk about their, uh, their current state of affairs. So can I ask another question about that? I don't want to, I actually didn't, yeah, sure. I didn't even mean to kind of get into any of that, but this is, this I think is a, is a legit question would be, so how do you navigate that when you're commentating for the CBC for the Olympics? I would just tell, I would, I would just tell the facts as I know them now. And that's, there's three different reports. There's the, the McLaren report, the, Oswald report and the Schmidt report from the IOC. All three reports have, have hard facts and evidence that shows a state sponsored, uh, rushing, uh, Russian doping, uh, system. So when we know that, that's, that's the facts. That's not allegation. And, we, we just, I would, I plan to bring that up as a, the factual base for my commentating and then say, you know, we'll see at the Olympics, how many, uh, athletes the IOC lets in based on what they call, you know, their clean athletes from Russia. Uh, Once we determine that, then I'll have a better idea what I'm going to say about those, each of those athletes. But at, at the current stage, I don't believe that just because you're a quote unquote clean athlete from Russia, that you've actually that you are a clean athlete from Russia. We we know that if you're just taking test results, you know Lance Armstrong never failed a doping test. Uh, most of these Russians haven't failed doping tests. That doesn't mean you're a clean athlete just because you passed every FIS uh, dope test. So um, I think it's more the answer is in the system, and I just. Uh, I think the the public needs to be educated that the facts are the facts. They're legal facts from these reports and that they, they show there's a systematic doping, you know, from the Russians that have involved a lot of cross country skiers. Let me ask one last question on this. What are your thoughts about FIS allowing these skiers who, you know, from my understanding, again, I, I, I am not privy to, the data pool, um, but so far have not been associated with the doping at the Sochi games, kind of like Ustagov or Bolshinov. Do you think fish should take a stronger stance and perhaps suspend those athletes until we get a better picture of, of what systematic doping was actually like in Russia beyond Sochi? I think that would be a, a good start. I mean, I'm, First, I have to state I don't have any personal bias against Russia. I don't want to see truly clean athletes uh, banned from anything. But, you know, it's the system, and they've had a system. And the system means that everybody's involved. And until you can prove otherwise, then you have to sit out. And they're not even willing at this point to admit that they've had a system. So... Unfortunately, clean athletes or whatever athletes from Russia are the ones that pay the price. And they're the ones that should be upset and going back against their own system and their government 
and saying, like, come clean so we can reset and really show the world that, you know, we can be great skiers. Anything else? Uh, no, I, I think I think I think overall, though, the cross country World Cup is uh, the races are interesting. You know, I, you know, I think uh, it's been a healthy start. Lots of different people winning and on the podium. And uh, I'm really looking forward to watching the Olympics on CBC. <laughs> are you, are you, um, did they give you, I mean, you sound pretty pro, but have they given you any like media training yet? Yeah, we were just in uh, Toronto about a week and a half ago for four days uh, of uh, a kind of a seminar and then some in-studio work. And, uh, yeah, so it's it really nice to, to have that time. And I'm just trying to learn from, from Becky, who's done it a lot before. We had some, the, some studio time where myself and, and Becky and Nigel Reed, who's going to be our play-by-play analyst, uh, we had some really good practice. And it's going to be fun to, to call the races live in studio in the middle yeah. of the night in Canada. How do you look on, how do you look on camera? Yeah. Uh, We'll see about that, but uh, <laughs> do they say like it adds weight or takes weight away? TV, I forget. I think it adds. I think it adds weight. Okay, all right. That shouldn't that shouldn't be a problem for me. I've, uh, I'll take a few extra pounds. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Justin, and have a good holiday. Yeah, have a good holiday. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for listening to Nordic Nation, and happy holidays. 